Okay, so today we are in part two of our study of the book of John. And um, we, we, last week, we set the foundation and we actually dived into the first five verses of the book um, of John. And there was so much that we learned last week. And I want to encourage you, if, if you weren't here last week, to please get the teaching online. You know, I, w- I was listening to it again today on, on YouTube and I was blown away. You know, it's just awesome, the word of God, you know. So, get it online, it's for free. I mean, on the podcast, it's for free. Uh, If you want to pick up the CD, that is also fine. But today, we are just going to go straight into into it. If you have an outline, everybody, do you have an outline? Can I get one? Thank you. And um, the opening section, we have a quiz and a challenge, you know. If you if you if you if you win, you get a prize. <laughs> Even if it's a golden handshake, <laughs> but you actually get a real prize, a real prize. So <clears throat> the first one is recite. You know, I said that one of, in my opinion, obviously the whole the word of God is the most important thing ever written. But if, whenever I read John one one to, to to five, you know, I I. I, you know, it's always, I mean, amazing. I, I, I said last week that I think that's the most important words ever penned down. The beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the God was God. The word the, ah, was God. The same was the beginning with God. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't. Now, can you recite it in your language? And your language is not English. <clears throat> yes, please. There's a, there's a hand there. Give, give her the mic. Um, you tell us the language first, so that, and it's not tongues either. My language is Igbo. Igbo, okay. Shoot. Nambu kokwa hodi. Okwa na chuku di. Okwa hobokwa chuku. Nambu Okay, is that interpreted yes. or translated? <laughs> Anybody who, who confirms that? Because I, can, I have no way of confirming it. That is correct. That is correct. Okay, let's clap for her. Come on, let's. Awesome. <clears throat> I just said, That's all. Okay, so. Um, See us after, after this uh, service and you get your prize. Okay, a- anybody else? Daniel. Okay. Uh, wait, 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 wait. Ah, I'm confused. <laughs> you, when I call you, you just tell us your language. Is that okay? Okay, so give her the mic. Let's hear it. Good evening. Good evening. Okay. Yes. Nibere kia to die in your rotiwa. Orowa kolo lorum. Olorum sti ni oro no. Ho ni owa kolo lorum nibere kia to da aye. Are you reading it I'm in reading. English? In English and you're interpreting it in Yoruba? No, no, no. I'm reading in Yoruba. Okay. What version of Yoruba Bible are you quoting? <laughs> <laughs> because why what you said was, is correct. Yes. Um, um, it's not uh, oh. okay. Let's clap for her. Yeah. <laughs> you get you get uh, the prize. You get the prize. Any other person with another version? Okay. Um, Yoruba has different versions of the Bible. There's the KJV Yoruba. There's the NIV. <laughs> yeah. I'm speaking. You. I'm. Reciting in Yoruba. Oh, okay, sure. Shoot. Ni atete koshi ni orowa. Orowa si wa kolo alorun. Orowa si ni alorun. Alorun si ni orowa. Alorun si ni orowa. No. Mole no si to. To bege okukunle. That is verse 5. Oh. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Let's clap for her anyway. She cries. <laughs> uh, okay, any other language? Any other language? Okay, yes. Uh, yeah. 
I want to say it in Bibio. In where? In Bibio. In Bibio, okay, shoot. Keriton ekedi ko. Aniko ekedi yabasi. Aniko ekedi yabasi. That one doesn't need to be confirmed. <laughs> it's, it's correct. <laughs> okay, one more language. Any other, any other language? Um, one more language. Come on. Uh-uh. Where are the Patakot people? Kalabari. Where are the... Nobody from the north? Come on. Where are the... Okay. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm saying it in Hausa. Where? In Hausa. In Hausa, okay. Yes. The Paduko Muria. Muria Nkumayana Tarida Allah. The Bangiji, what do you mean? <laughs> I, I speak Hausa now. No. A God, little bit though. God is different from Bangiji. No, 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 no. I won't uh, get into that debate now. Just go on. The Paduko Kalmani. Kalmanyana Tarida Allah. Kuma Allah Natarida Kalman Yaputo de Katigan Allah. Okay, let's start for him. <coughs> Praise the Lord. Okay, so those people that recited, you see us after the service, and you get your prize. Um, what are the synoptic, synoptic gospels and why is the book of John different? It's just from last week. What are the synoptic gospels? Who wants to go? Um, okay, there's, there's a hand there. There's another one here. Okay. First person to get the mic. Matthew, okay. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Yeah. The That's second correct. question. That's correct. Please answer the second question. Hmm. Okay, we will take that. So let's let him answer the second question. Thank you very much um, for that. Yes, second question. Let's not take our gospel books. Are Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Yeah. Why there's not because they are similar in all their. You no, know, they say almost the same thing. What you find in Matthew, you find it in Luke. You find it in Mark. Why did how are they different from John? They are different in the sense that John will give you the time. He gave you the almost, he also give you the hour. And perhaps the event that is taking place. Well, you tried. You were, you were there last week, right? So you are telling me, okay, so you tried. Fine. Anybody else? Cool. Yep. The answer to the first question is Matthew, Mark, Luke. And the, um, the reason why John is different is because it doesn't contain any parables. One, yeah, John doesn't contain any parable of and Jesus. Yeah. it's given in details. Narrative specific. details, eyewitness, yes. What else? Um, okay, you tried. Anybody else? One more. Okay. Tell us. What else? <laughs> okay. Uh, like she said, the account of John was actually a narrative, and then it was focused on Jesus. This so. Christology was very high. Then what else? There's something else. Uh, that's all. Okay. Anybody else? Um, okay. Tell us. <laughs> what else? In addition to what has been said, right? Um, the references he made were from, um, I think, Psalms, Proverbs. The wisdom books. The wisdom books. Heavily. Heavily. While the others were from um, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Quoted heavily from the law and the prophets. Okay. Okay. That is, um, okay, cool. Praise the Lord. Let's clap for everybody that uh, <clears throat> participated. Now, John chapter 1, 6 to 9. That's our first, our first text. John 1, 6 to 9. There was a man sent from God 
whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through, through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. The true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. Here we see John shifting from a prophetic, declarative, preaching tone. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. To a narrative tone. Immediately after it said, um, the light shines in darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. There was a man named John. It's, it's, I mean, that was, that's the way I, <laughs> I envisioned the whole thing. He just switched a narrative to it. He introduces a John that is not himself. Praise the name of the Lord. The three of them were cousins, like we learned last week. John the Baptist, Jesus, and John the son of Zebedee. Yes, the man. What's the mother's name? The son of Salome. So, John the Baptist, John the son of Salome, and Jesus were, were cousins. So, when John declared the word that existed from the beginning, immediately he switched to, there was a man named John. He was not the light. He was, I mean, why are you, why are you shooting ahead of are you following me or are you just testing your fingers? Praise the name of the Lord. So, it, it, it was... They were cousins. And in verse 7, I can bring it up now. <laughs> the other one, yeah. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. So, John came as a witness. Now, the word witness, the root word, the Greek word, is matarion, matar, matarion. That's the, exactly, that's, that's the Greek word, matarion. And that word is, means witness, means matter. The same word, the same meaning, means witness, means matter. Every true witness is a potential matter. What you have there is matter if you, in your notes. Every true witness is a potential matter. In fact, you know, years ago, I remember a discussion I was having with one of my friends, you know, about the truth is that everyone that is really a follower of Jesus it's a potential matter. It's a, it's a matter waiting to happen. And we analyzed it back then. I'm like, it's so true. Because if you really are a follower of Jesus, you're a potential matter. Who is a matter? It's somebody that dies for, for the, their witness. <laughs> that, that's where matter is. So if, if you, you, you say, oh, but, if, but I'm a follower of Jesus, but I... Me, I cannot be a matter. The truth is, check. Are you really a follower of Jesus? Every follower of Jesus is a potential matter. In Acts 1.8, Jesus was speaking to the disciples in Acts 1.8. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses, you will be my <laughs> matter. You'll be, you'll be the one that speaks and is ready to die for what they are saying. In Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Now, we see Peter. If you were, if you were in, um, in, in church on Saturday and you were at the movie night, that movie that was shown was, was dramatized how Peter denied Jesus. Peter denied Jesus three times. 
in one night. Peter was following but was not a witness. Peter was following, but Peter, the, the dispensation of, 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 of grace, which, which the death and the resurrection of Jesus brought into, had not happened. Peter, in a nutshell, had not received the Holy Spirit. So Peter could not stand when they challenged him. Oh, you are one of them. He says, I am not. Then a girl says, surely, even the way you are talking, you are one of them. Peter said, Gasker. I am not one of them. It's, well, Gasker is even, he used the bigger swearing word. He swore, I am not one of them. And the, the cock crew. Now, Peter moved from being an untrue witness to a true witness because of the Holy Spirit. Because of the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. All the spaces you have there is for your personal notes. That's the Holy Spirit. So you become a true witness when you are one with the message. You become a true witness when you are one with the message. You become a true witness when we can't separate you from the message. You become a true witness when to accept you is to accept your words. And to stop you is to stop your words. And to stop your words is to stop you. You become a true witness when, like the um, apostle said, we can't but talk about Jesus. So if they had to stop them, they had to take their lives. Why? Because they were witnesses. People cannot even part with cars for Jesus today. <laughs> People cannot part with property for Jesus. People cannot part with their houses or their real estate for Jesus today. Lord, I give you my life. I give you my soul. Jesus says, give me that trinket. Say, no, I live for you. <laughs> Why are you deceiving? In fact, there was a story that we were told. <laughs> um, one young man came to um, <laughs> the pastor, not me, the pastor of the, of, of the church, and, and said to him that, oh, that he, he just consecrates his life to Jesus, you know. So the pastor looked at him. And pastor said to him, we need your car tomorrow for evangelism. I'm going to evangelism tomorrow morning, so we need your car. And the pastor said, it was actually, uh, okay, I don't want to mention the name of pastor, don't worry. <laughs> so the pastor said, if you know the story, you know the person anyway. The pastor said that, <clears throat> that the man was very sad. And he was like, so, so, ah, why? And I says, oh, how will I drop my children in school? Tomorrow, I need, to, I need to drop my wife at work, drop my children in school. I'm sorry, I will not be able to meet that request. And he left. <laughs> and he said he laughed. He laughed because he called the guy back. He says, there's no evangelism tomorrow. I just want you to know that uh, it hasn't gauged yet. You see, being a Christian is not a tag. It's not a label. It is your life. The question is, do you really want to follow Jesus? If you really want to follow Jesus, if he says, give me your shoes, what happens to that, those shoes? Were they yours already initially? Come on. Now everyone is very quiet and sober. Is it, is it hard stuff? <laughs> it's actually introduction. We've not even gone into... You cannot mount being a Christian and God demands for your time and you cannot give it. 
Your time is your life. You cannot mark being a Christian and God places a demand on a, a behavior. Maybe, maybe you, you are very abusive. And God says, now you are mine. Stop abusing people. And you say, I cannot let that go. My grandmother was abusive. My mother was abusive. Why should I stop? Praise the name of the Lord. Being a witness means we can't separate you from the message. You and the message, you and the message are fused. To silence the message is to silence you. He came as a witness. Praise the name of the Lord. In fact, we can spend the whole night on the witness, really. You know, which is why Jesus says that we should count the cost. We won't do anything, count the cost. We won't follow Jesus, count the cost. I know there's a lot of preaching out there, you know, that is all materialism based and commercialization based. So the truth is this. If you want to follow Jesus, you count the you count the cost. So, so John the Baptist was a forerunner of Jesus, <laughs> preparing the way for Jesus. And not only preparing the way for Jesus, it was tearing up trouble for Jesus. In fact, at this time, by the time we read verse 22. They've set up an inquiry on John. There's a personal, there's, a, there's, a, there's an investigation going on on John the Baptist. Herod, if Herod eventually killed him. John prepared the way for Jesus, but you know, also caused a lot of trouble for him. In verse 8 of John 1, we see as a forerunner. His first denial. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. So that's... John is not the light. He says he's not the Christ. He's not the prophet. He's not the Messiah. Yet, do you know that today, there's a sect that are still um, worshipping John as the Messiah. People will worship anything, really. The man said, I am not the Messiah. You can Google them. They are called Mandians. Mandians. It's a very interesting group of people. So, John the Baptist was not the light, but merely a testimony of the light in verse 9, by the time we get to verse 9, it says, The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. And when we read our second text, which is John 1, 15, then 19 to 28, becomes clearer. John testified to him, to Christ, and cried out, this is he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks ahead of me because he was before me. Verse 19. This is the testimony given by John when the Jews sent the priests and the Levites from Jerusalem. So there was an inquiry from Jerusalem to come and investigate John. To ask him. To interrogate him. Who are you? Verse 20, he confessed and did not deny it, but confessed, I am not the Messiah. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not Elijah. Are you the prophet? 
You know, the prophet that they are referring to is in Deuteronomy 18, when Moses told them that God was going to give them a prophet like him. So they're asking, are you the prophet? He says, no. Verse 22, then they said to him, who are you? Let us have an answer for those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. So, he knew who he was. Now, they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, why then? Are you baptizing? If you are neither the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet, John answered them, I baptize with water. Among you stands one whom you do not know. The one who is coming after me. I am not worthy to untie the tongue of his sandal. This took place in Bethany across, can you say again? Can you see John? He's telling you where exactly it took place. In Bethany, across the river where John was baptizing. So it was a big deal. You don't, the only baptism that was available at the time was when people want to become Jews. When Gentiles want to become Jews, then they are baptized and they are, they are Jews. Now, John was baptizing Jews. And they're like, why are you baptizing? Are you the Messiah? Are you the prophet? Are you Elijah? Even though Jesus says in Matthew that he comes in the spirit of Elijah, he says, I am, I am not. So why are you baptizing? You think I'm baptizing? There's one that is coming after me. <laughs> that is greater than me. He is the Messiah. Praise the name of the Lord. So, John the Baptist understood his calling. And he understood it from, from scriptures. Um, Isaiah 43. In fact, he quoted Isaiah 43. When he says, I, I, I'm a voice in the wilderness. He understood who he was. And it's important for us, everybody, to understand who you are. To understand who God has called you to be. If you don't know who you are, people will come with suggestions. You know, you look like a prophet though. In fact, you're a prophet. You to you say, ah, I'm a prophet. I'm a prophetess. <laughs> you say, no, no, you're not even a prophet. You're Elijah. You know, some people have started growing beard because they feel they're Elijah. Really, really. It's not a joke. You need to know who you are. You need to, and the, the only place you can locate your identity is the word of God. The word of God is the mirror. When you stand in front of it, you see yourself as God sees you. Know who you are. Know who you are. Says, oh, you are this. Says, no, I'm not. Says, no, you are that. Says, no, I'm not. Many times, we run other people's races. Many times, we compete with people I mean, we have no business competing with because we don't know who we are. Because we don't know who we are, sometimes we are always looking for, for someone to rival because you don't know who you are. If you know who you are, you will stay in your lane, running your own race, it doesn't matter who has gone ahead of you. You just be in step with God. That is what matters. Praise the name of the Lord. It doesn't matter what this person is doing or what that person is doing or what this person has achieved or what that person has achieved. The key thing is, are you where God has put you? Are you where God has put you? By the time we get to verse 26, 
you just said something that is very interesting. John answered them, I baptize with water, with water. Among you stands one whom you do not know. The one who is coming after me, I am not worthy to untie the tongue that is the laces of his sandals. You know, what, what does that mean? I'm not worthy to untie the laces of his sandals. What does that mean? At this time, the, what is called the rabbinic movement was very strong. The rabbis are the teachers. So, each rabbi will have students. So, the, 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 the rabbis, the rabbinic movement became so strong that, you know, just like, I mean, it's happening today, unfortunately, you know, the students were practically worshipping the, the rabbis. So we have um, people that, you know, practically worship their pastors, which is wrong, totally. So at that time, the leaders said, no student is allowed to untie or to to lace up or to losing the sandal of the teacher. Every student can do everything a servant does. You can go on errands, you can do all those things, but no student should lace the sandals of the teacher except obviously is his servant, you know. So it was not allowed for students to tie the laces of the sandals of the, of, the, of the teachers because they will be bending down to them. So what did John say? John says, the one that is coming, I'm not even worthy to be a servant. Talk less of being a student. I'm not even worthy to be a student. So to untie his laces, I, I is Beyond me. So, like, who can this person be? So, before Jesus even showed up, they are thinking of how they can kill him. This John, that we think is a problem, is saying, I'm not worthy to be a student. I'm not even worthy to be a servant. They're like, who is he? He says, amongst you. And you're like, who is he? I mean, I, I can imagine if Jesus was in the crowd at the time. What do you think was going on? They were looking at, around. Who might he be? Obviously, the following day, Jesus came for baptism, you know, and on. But maybe he was there that day. Like, who is he? So, a, 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 a true witness, we always shift focus away from themselves to their Lord. John always shifted focus away from himself to Jesus. Always. By the time people le left him, they, they were like, who is Jesus? We want to meet Jesus. I pray that by the time people leave our churches, God's favorite house, everywhere in the world, they are like, we want to know more of Jesus. They won't say, oh, I want to be like pastor. That they will say, I want to be like Jesus. Say amen. amen. Every time. In fact, his disciples, he says to them, that's him, go and follow him. He tells, he, I mean, we teachers says that. That's Jesus, go and follow him. And they, and they say that, oh, all your disciples, Jesus is following them. He tells, are you jealous? Why don't you go and follow him? Did I not tell you that he's the one that is greater than me? Every time people come in contact with us, with our lives. Every time people come in contact with our greatness, every time when our greatness attracts people, either for questioning or for inquiry or for genuine seeking, 
May they live seeking Jesus. May they leave our offices saying, who is this Jesus that this woman knows? Who is this Jesus that this man knows? Who is this Jesus? May they not leave our offices saying, she's such an amazing woman. Okay, well, they will. If Jesus will, I'm not saying they will hate you. But I'm just saying, may your life point to Jesus and Jesus alone. As, as, as you will learn of John, I think it's the Luke account, it's Luke 3. It says, I must decrease and he must increase. May Jesus increase daily in our lives as we decrease daily in Jesus' name. Now, picture this. The one whom John said, I am unworthy to untie the laces of his sandals. In other words, the one whom John said, I'm unworthy to be his servant. I'm unworthy to even be a student. In John 13, went on his knees and washed the feet of his disciples. And he took off their sandals. How did he take off their sandals? He Removed the laces. Took off their sandals. And washed the feet of his own students. <laughs> washed the feet of his own students. And we are arrogant. We are proud. What are we proud for? What are we arrogant for? What are we, what are we arrogant for? I'm Archbishop, uh, Evangelist, Prophet, Doctor, Chief. In fact, uh, there are double chiefs. While there's nothing wrong with those titles, there's near here or there. But you see, sometimes people are just too egocentric. Ego is the problem. In fact, the book I'm reading now, I said also the, the title is the problem is ego, or ego is the problem. With both men and women, no. ego is the problem. Only that men, men, we carry our own ego on our head. Women, they put it in their handbag, but it's there. <laughs> they will dish it out when they need to. <laughs> ego is the problem. Jesus, whom John said, I'm unworthy to untie the lace. This John was the one that the whole um, um, Sanhedrin, which is the leaders, religious leaders, sent emissaries to go and run an inquiry on. He says, I'm not worthy to untie his shoes. I'm not even worthy to be his student. John 13, Jesus went down and washed his own disciples' feet. So you can imagine Peter saying, no, you can't wash my feet. You know, when you read it, you think Peter is just crazy. He's not crazy. He, he, he knew the importance of that. How can the teacher, that's why Jesus says, if I, your teacher, can do this to you, he that will be the head must be the servant of all. That's what Jesus says. That's what he says. So he went on his feet, removed the laces, and washed their feet. I can imagine how John would have felt this same John. John sat there. He must have frozen. He didn't have the courage to get up like Peter. He didn't have the courage to speak up and say, no, you can't wash it. He must have frozen while Jesus was washing his feet. The the weight of that. When people are struggling to be humble, you know some people, they are really struggling to be humble. They are struggling. Say, God, you know I'm struggling. I'm trying, you know. You know. But I'm too good. I just have to show off a little bit. But I will, I'm trying to be humble. When you are struggling to be humble, you are yet to come in contact with Jesus. 
at that level. I pray you do at that level. Say amen. When he comes and saves you, you're like, so who, who am I? So where's the, where's the, where's the beef coming from? Where's the, where are the ears coming from? Where's the arrogance coming from? Oof. Praise the Lord. I've forgotten the time, but I missed the. <laughs> I'm going on and on and on on that. I thought text, John 1, 10 to 14, and, and, and 15 to 16 to 18. You know, we've read, we've read 15 already. It says, It was in the world, and the world came into being through him. It says, Yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become the children of God, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us. And we have seen his glory. The glory as of, the, of a father's only son. Full of grace and truth. From his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. The law indeed was given through Moses. Grace and truth, however, came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. It's only the it's God's only son who is close to the father's heart who has made him known. Praise the name of the Lord. Verse 10 says, He was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not recognize him. It was a recognized. He came to that which was his own but his own did not receive him. Everybody say, receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right. Everybody say, the right. <laughs> to become the children of God. Recognize him. They were cousins. It was like the world did not recognize him. John had to recognize Jesus. John did not recognize Jesus as his cousin. When he saw him coming for baptism, he says what? Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. When he, when he saw him, he said, oh, behold my cousin, cousin Jay. <laughs> he didn't say that. When John, little John, I mean John, the son of Salome, when he was when he was interacting with Jesus, he, he did not recognize the recognition. Is not oh, we are family members. When Salome showed up before Jesus, I was making that political inquiry and request that we learned last week. She did not come to to him as oh my nephew. She went on his on her knees and says, you know. So. <laughs> Recognition is so powerful. You have to recognize the people in your life. You have to recognize them. If you don't recognize your wife, if you don't recognize your husband, you cannot relate with them properly. It's not just that guy with, with pot belly. He's a great guy. She's not just that woman with what? I don't know. <laughs> She's a great woman. When you don't recognize even your own children, you cannot get the best from that relationship. Mary saw Jesus and he said to them, <laughs> anything he tells you to do, do it. He, he recognized him as a miracle worker. 
If you don't recognize the people God has put in your life, they will be casual. You will be casual in your relationship with them and you will not get the best from them. Praise the name of the Lord. Similarly, you need to <laughs> recognize, in fact, when, um, when the enemy wants to play tricks on, on, on people, particularly in the dream state, it brings people they recognize. You know? It brings people to re- they recognize. Don't I'm trying to interpret it and um, translate this to English, but I, I, I'm trying. I can't, but I'll just say it in Yoruba and I will try and interpret it. Don't use yesterday's eye to look at even your friends. Don't use yesterday's eyes. Ah, we are classmates, but the guy has gone to pay some prizes. Ah, you are not classmates anymore. Like, uh, I think it was uh, Pastor Bakule, some guy that came to, 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 <laughs> to minister here. We are classmates in secondary school. And every time we are together, he's always asking questions, trying to take notes. And I'm like, Bakule, I beg, I beg, I beg, I beg. Stop, 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 stop. He says, hmm, Pastor Femi, we may be, we are not, we may be classmates, so, but we are not grace mates. I heard that for the first time. I'm like, what does that mean? There are people in your life, you may be classmates, but you are not grace mates. When someone, ah, there's not more time. <laughs> time is good. <laughs> If someone seniors you, he seniors you. Praise the name of the Lord. <laughs> recognize. If you can't recognize, you cannot receive. And if you cannot, if you don't recognize and receive, you cannot obtain the rights. The three hours of greatness in God. You have to recognize. You have to receive. Then you have to obtain the rights. Same thing, Jesus. You cannot be saved. For you to be saved, you need to recognize you're a sinner. You need to recognize you you need a savior. You need to recognize Jesus as the only sacrifice that can take away your sins. Then you need to receive him. Then you obtain the rights to become a child of God. We were born not of blood, of the will of the flesh, or of the will of man, but of God. But of God. So, the word became flesh, John said. NRSV. And the word became flesh and lived amongst us. And we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. Jesus is full of grace and full of truth. Jesus is not half grace and half truth. Jesus is full of grace and full of truth. Jesus is not 50% grace or 50% truth. Jesus is 100% grace and 100% truth. I know, I know, you're writing, you're writing. It's okay. <laughs> Jesus is 100% grace and 100% truth. Some Christians think, oh, you know, let's balance grace and truth, you know. Let's balance grace, you know. Grace, let's balance it. Then truth, let's balance it. So that, you know, you know, um, just like the adage, when you use one hand to build a child, use the other hand to pull the child closer. Let's try and balance grace and truth. Unfortunately, well, it's fortunately rather for us, Jesus isn't like that. Jesus is 100% grace. Grace is 100%. And guess what? It's 100% truth. 100%. It's not half truth. It's 100% truth. Grace, the word grace, 
charis in Greek. It's a word that reaches back to the Hebrew word hesed. Hesed, hesed is so powerful that hesed is the defining characteristic of God in the Old Testament. Hesed, when God wants to define himself, he uses hesed in Exodus 34. Um, it's not in my notes, but if you could find that reference for me. Exodus um, 34, from, from, from verse 5, when Moses had been pleading with God, Exodus 33, I want to see your face, I want to see your glory, show me your face. God said, okay, okay, I'll show you my face. He chiseled the place in the rock, and he passed before him. When God passed before him, then the Bible says, and the Lord came down in a cloud, and there stood with, with him, and he called out his name, Yahweh. The Lord passed in front of Moses, calling out, Yahweh, the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy, slow to anger and plenteous, filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. Who lavishes faithfulness? I mean, that is, I said, that is one word though that has been translated in English is so limited that they are trying to capture that word. It's unbelievable how it's a very difficult word to understand in English. It is sometimes translated mercy. When you translate later, I mean, it's, it's like, what do I call it? They use love sometimes. KJV translated essay in 14 different ways. In fact, KJV invented a new word, loving kindness. It's not, it's not an English word. Put two words together, trying to capture essay. But the best working phrase or sentence that captures Esed is this. Esed is, when the one from whom I have a right to expect nothing gives me everything. Esed. Grace is full the essence and character of God. When the one from whom I have a right to expect nothing gives me everything. What word do you want to use? Is it grace? Is it favor? If you use grace, it's part of it, but it's not complete. If you use favor, it's part of it. If you use loving kindness, it's not complete. If you use love, it's not complete. If you use mercy, it's still a, a subset. It's not complete. Truth, on the other hand, Truth is a person. He, Jesus. Says, so, not truth as a right answer or wrong answer. Or truth as the correct words. But truth as a person. So, as a person. is as a person. Living, breathing, bleeding, dying, resurrected person. Jesus. Truth. Truth that you come to know personally, not between the pages of a textbook. Truth that you come to have a relationship with. Truth that you come to love and make Making him a part of your life and integrated with your life. Truth. And knowing the truth is not necessarily about being right. Knowing the truth is about being righteous. Knowing the truth is about having a right standing with the truth. A relationship with the truth. Knowing the person of the truth. If you have a, if you have a good relationship with the truth, you are righteous. If you have a right standing with God, you are righteous. So, knowing the truth is not necessarily about being right. Oh, I'm right. And you are wrong. You can know the truth and be wrong. But you still know the truth. When he says you will know the truth 
and the truth will set you free. It's not, it's not necessarily, of course, it's the word, so you have to know the word. But it's not the letter of the word, it's the person of the word. This word that we have touched, that we have handled, that we have seen with our eyes and related with, like John would say. So, knowing the truth will no longer mean knowing the answer, but rather knowing Jesus Christ as a person. So, what does it mean to know him? We recognize him, we receive him, and we obtain the right. Hallelujah. And verse 16 says, from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. Verse 17, the law indeed was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The law is not necessarily bad, obviously. In fact, the Bible says the law is good and perfect. But John is saying something unimaginably better has been granted to us by the same God. And that is grace and truth. So in the Old Testament, they related with God through the law. In the New Testament, we relate with God through grace and truth. Through Jesus Christ. They need to be aligned with the law. We need to be in sync with Christ. They need to do what the law says. We need to do what Christ says. Grace and truth. And last week, we, we, we saw that in him was life, and the life was the light of men. So, light and life, life and light was where we ended last week. Now, John expounds it further and brings the concept of grace and truth. And I ask, is there a connection between life and light and grace and truth? And this is my conclusion. Grace brings life and truth brings light. And that light overcomes darkness. Do we have any questions? <laughs> Hallelujah. Let's put our hands together for Jesus if you are not writing. <clears throat> Okay, do you have any questions? Again, this teaching, this particular teachings on John are designed in such a way that there are not a lot of questions because the, the content is just a lot. We are, we are still in chapter one. And two weeks have gone. Maybe by June next year we'll finish. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so, um, so in your outline... We, you have the, today you've heard the word. We have committed to act on it. Now you need to ask yourself, how do I pass what I have heard on? Because these are the three things you have to do when you hear the word. To interact with the word. You need to hear the word. You've heard it. You need to act on it. I believe you've committed to. So the third thing to complete the cycle is, how do I pass it on? How do I pass it on to my friends? How do I pass this on to my Family, how do I pass it on to my colleagues? How do I pass it on? You have to answer that question. The commit section is committing to reading the Bible yourself. So let's bow our hearts as we bow our heads and let us say, Today I commit to studying the Bible for myself. Let's talk to God. About what we've heard. If if you are here, you are not saved. Jesus is not the Lord of your life. I want to pray with you. saying I want to give my life to Jesus put up your hands wherever you are and we pray together 
God bless you, sir. Right there, front. Anybody else? I want to give my life to Jesus. Put up your hand and we'll pray together. God bless you. If I put up your hand, put up your hand well over your head. I want to know the truth. The person. The person. I want to, I want to have a relationship with him. The righteousness of God. Everybody, the rest of us, let's, let's continue to talk to God. Father, we, we honor you. We can never thank you enough. Accept our thanks in the name of Jesus. Honor and glory be given to you. In Jesus' mighty name, we are free. Thank you for listening to this. I want to encourage you to share this resource with your family and friends. God bless you.